Sorry, I'm late. It's all right. It said away in the manger. <laughs> you know, Christmas time, we think of a little baby. And as a dad, I remember the first time that I held my first little girl, my daughter Abigail. When the nurses handed her to me, she was, she was so small, so tiny, and all wrapped up. And she laid there in my arms, all peaceful and quiet. And the weight of what it was going to be to be a father. My God, I'm supposed to keep this thing alive and teach it a whole bunch of stuff. I looked down and she was so quiet. And I thought, you know, this is going to be easy. Well, that feeling lasted three days. (laughs) Because on the third day, she stopped being quiet. In fact, she's 18. She still hasn't gotten quiet. She stopped being quiet and she started crying. And she wouldn't stop crying. The doctor said it was something called failure to thrive. And she was in pain as a little baby, and she wouldn't eat and couldn't eat. And her, her tummy hurt, and her limbs hurt, and she just was so miserable. She cried for eight months. I didn't think it was going to be easy anymore. Everything we tried to do to help this poor little baby, uh, you know, they gave us these little stomach pills that she could take that would make her stomach calm down, and she'd spit them right back out. <laughs> And they said, swaddle her really tightly. That'll help. And as soon as we'd get her in there, she'd wiggle and wiggle and kick the blankets off. And we'd try to give her a bottle to feed her, and she'd, she'd push it away and fight us every step of the way. And I just wanted, as a father, to be able to get down and explain it to her because she couldn't understand why she was hurting. She just wanted the pain to go away. Hello, my name is Roger. I'm one of the three pastors here, Pastor Roger. And my name is David, and I'm one of the other, the third pastor of our group this evening. We're here to celebrate to birth in anticipation of tomorrow's reflection of uh, Jesus being born. And as Roger so eloquently explained, when we have our children for the first time, it brings such joy to our hearts. There's a time for hope, a time for love. There's uh, a period of reflection that I experienced as I held my sons uh, in my arms and thinking, wow, look at this little bundle of joy. And what a miracle this life is. I can't believe I was a part of creating this. And there's that peaceful period where they they sleep for a little while. And as Roger noted, there's a time when they awake, they awaken, and they begin to experience life. They want to go crawl back into that warm, nice little warm, cozy place they were in. They don't know how to communicate, and so they cry, and they cry, and they cry. I remember 
when my wife and I were looking as one of ours was crying, and we're like, huh, let's try to feed, and wouldn't work. And then we checked his diaper, and was like, oh. But it took about six hours to figure that out, because we didn't know. And he kept crying and crying. You see, sometimes, or often, at least in our lives, that wonderful peace of having that bundle of joy turns to frustration from time to time. I'm a father, too, and we have experienced that same joy and frustration that perhaps you may have felt as you were raising your children as well. As parents, we try to do everything to get them to stop. In fact, there was one time my wife and I were so desperate because we were so tired, we put one of our sons in a car seat and put him on top of the dryer and then turned the dryer on for 40 minutes just to hope that that vibration would calm him down so we could calm down. They're totally dependent on us, but they often fight against us. Wouldn't it be nice if we could just communicate to them, if we could get down to their level so we could understand them and they could understand us? We find the same pattern with our relationship with our Heavenly Father. In fact, the Bible is replete of examples of him getting frustrated with his people from time to time, even though he loves them dearly because he's created them. And there's oftentimes we find that he is absolutely joyful of who he has created and how, how they are reflecting his love back to them. You see, we're the children of God. And oftentimes we experience that suffering that we experienced when we were much, much younger. As much joy and peace and love and happiness that we experience, isn't it true that we also experience grief and pain, loss? Maybe at some points in our life, a little bit of panic particularly if you're a small business owner and you're trying to figure out how to make payroll because of slow sales over the last two weeks. And we just want God to take away that pain and return us to that carefree and happy state where we don't have to think about all of that stuff. And we're joyful and we're singing and we're dancing and we're carrying on about our lives like we have the world by its tail. Here's the good news. In the fullness of time, God will take away that pain. Pastor David used the term, the phrase, the fullness of time there. That comes from a... a a verse in the Bible in Galatians where it says, in the fullness of time, God sent his son to be born of a woman to redeem us from under the law that we might be adopted as his sons and daughters. The fullness of time, God's plan reached a point where he was going to bring that hinge point of history, Jesus, 
the Messiah, the Christ, had come. You see, from the very beginning, when we sinned against God, humanity sinned against God, found in Genesis chapter 3, they sinned against God and were cursed and sent out of the garden. God, from that point forward, had a plan to bring us back to him. And that plan would be completed in fruition in the fullness of time. God chose a man from out of the desert, Abraham, and he said, you're going to be my servant. You are going to be a blessing to the world. I'm going to make you into a great nation, which he did. His descendants became the nation of Israel. And the nation of Israel were God's people for generations and generations. But like any children, they messed up. They sinned against God. They made him angry. And like any father... He reached a point. I've had it up to here. Anybody said that to your children? Anybody been a child and had that said to them? God had enough and he punished the nation of Israel. But he promised them that a redeemer would come. He promised them that he was going to fix this someday. And that's what we celebrate on Christmas. When we come together on Christmas, we celebrate that Redeemer, that Savior, the baby Jesus. You know the story. Wise men, shepherds, singing angels, a little baby in the manger. That's the story. And he's just not any baby. This baby who laid in a manger is actually our Father God in the flesh. He is the God who rules over all of creation. He is the King of Kings. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He is present right here, right now. He is also Yahshua, the God who saves us. Incidentally, that's where we get the name Jesus. You see, God came in the fullness of time to dwell with us. So that he could reach us in much the same way we would want to reach those infant children that we had at one point. To be present with them in their joy and pain, in their sickness, in their health, in their hope and despair. That's the reason why he has come and he is present with us. He is also here to repair our relationships with each other and ultimately back to his heavenly father. He descended from heaven down to our level. Imagine that for just a minute. God who created the heavens and the earth coming down and entering into a human body. You know how frail we are. You know how many mistakes we make on a daily basis. He humbled himself, coming down into a human form to experience everything that we experience. And yet, he was without sin. That is, he didn't make a moral mistake from the time that he was born to the time that he died. He came down to express his love 
to offer a way out and to extend his comfort in ways that we understand. Now, when Jesus came proclaiming this message, there were skeptics. What do you mean? There's this human being that says he's God. That's impossible. God is up there. He's he's not down here. They had a hard time connecting the dots and seeing how the fullness of time had come. Perhaps they were skeptical in the same way that when we were infants and we were crying out for help, that we didn't understand how our parents were trying to provide comfort and hope and love in the midst of our confusion and pain. Many of us want to believe. We want our relationships, our broken relationships, to be restored and healed. But oftentimes, we have a hard time getting there. Here's the good news. It doesn't have to be that way. Our Heavenly Father loves you so intensely that He created a way out. A get-out-of-jail-free card, if you will. And figured out a way to clearly and concisely communicate that to us. He writes, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but whoever, do, uh, but, yeah, whoever does uh, believe in him, uh, wait, no, to condemn the world, but in order that we might be saved through him. That's what happens when you take your glasses off. As we leave tonight... Our heart's desire is for you to remember this little baby Jesus who was born of a virgin Mary. She was a teenager and completely out of left field, she's carrying the Savior of the world. Imagine that expectant hope and joy as she was pregnant, and then the night that he was born, and the elation that she had, and the people that were with her had, as they knew that the Savior of the world had come to comfort us. Perhaps to comfort us in such a way as we comfort our babies when we swaddle them to hold us, to love us, to provide for us, and most importantly, to come down to our level to communicate to us when we don't know what to do or where to go. This is the reason why we celebrate Jesus, and this is the reason why we celebrate his birth.